Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VidFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molyneux. For more information about VidFriends, visit us at www.vidfriends.org or you can call us at 844-374-3639. All VidFriends podcasts are sponsored by my vitiligo team. Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So on today's show, I have Dr. James Williams with me. Welcome. Well, thank you, sir. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Mark. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, we're going to have a great conversation. And um, I I just know our listeners are going to get blessed with something. They're going to hear something that they're going to take with them and just say, you know what? I want to hear this man speak again. Um, So let's get started. Uh, Introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from, maybe what organization or business you represent, and then we'll dig into some of the other meat of the conversation. Okay. So originally I'm from Wilson, North Carolina. That's what I claim. But I also lived a small amount of time, my early childhood years in school in Fall River, Massachusetts. So I like to claim it because of just uh, the demographic experiences sort of helped mold me later on in life. So those are the two areas that I claim. Um... I'm a professor right now, associate professor at the University of Tennessee. I'm also the faculty director for the Honors and Scholars Program at the University of Tennessee. Um, the, the owner of Unmasked YTP, which is a leadership consulting company where I teach managers how to be more effective leaders from a critical and creative thought perspective. I also, I'm an author. I wrote four books. I, I also do acting. So I got a, I got a film on Tuesday. So that's that's pretty much my life. My life is basically trying to live a limitless expe- uh, uh, experience while I'm here because life is so short and I know it's going right. to end and I just want to make sure that I maximize everything that I have while I'm here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was reading your bio. You have a very unique story. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, when we see somebody's story, we think it's instant. Oh, they just popped up and that's what they've been doing all their lives. Can Can you share with us your journey? Um, if you want to, you could start your teenage yeah. years and how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, it's and, and I'll say my journey is a journey that I think we all deal with. Um, for me, I was trying to find that validation. I think sometimes people find it in their family and things of that nature. And when my biological father signed over his rights, my name was James Cromell. But when we was right around four or five, my biological father signed over his rights. My mother remarried a great man named Jimmy Williams, and he adopted us. But that was the conversation, and it just right. ended. But it was a little part of me that was always searching, like, you know, what, what's out there? Why, why didn't he want me? And that yearning led to trying to fit in with my peers. And being that we lived in an impoverished environment, education wasn't cool. Even though my parents were saying, hey, go to school, get an education, all these things. Nobody in my environment seemed to care about it or the people that I seemed to care about didn't seem to care about it. So I started acting out in school at a very young age, getting in trouble. Teachers threatened to put me in special education. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Um, but absolutely. my mom fought, you know, for me not to be in special ed. And but I but I, I kept getting in trouble. And I and I I found that when I got in trouble and I act tough, people that I liked started liking me. And I liked right. that feeling. You know, and and I like when girls thought I looked good. I like when the guys thought I was tough or I was a great athlete. So that mindset continued to to grow. You know, we we moved away from Fall River, Massachusetts, moved to North Carolina, 
And to make a long story short, that mindset led to me selling drugs at the age of 12, losing my virginity at, at the age of 12. So always saw sex from a different perspective, not a true value or gift to be with a woman, but it was a way to allow myself to feel good. I felt like if I could have sex with these women and they like me and they look at me as this good looking guy, it just made me feel special. So it took me a while to overcome a lot of these things. But during that time, that's what I was really dealing with. Had two kids um, at the age of 17, was a great athlete. So that kind of kept me from dropping out of school completely. But because my GPA was so low because of getting suspended and things from school, I didn't have the, 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 the requirements when it came to my SAT scores and GPA to get a scholarship. And I was getting recruited by East Carolina University, West Virginia University and Fayetteville State. But I ended up going to Methodist University because I couldn't get a scholarship. And I came in with this cocky attitude that, hey, I'm a division one recruit, I'm a start. Right. And I got registered. And it, and it was a humbling experience to where I realized that at time, no matter how good you are, if people don't like you, the world is not gonna open up to you. If you continue to look at yourself as a victim and blame other people, there's gonna be no doors opening for you. So I started hanging with a gang and I almost shot somebody. And that's when my life really changed. I had this epiphany to where, how did I, how did I become this person? How did I get to doing these things that I never thought I would do? So for me, I joined the military. And once I joined the military, met my wife, found something to love, and it made me start loving myself. And once I started really loving myself and putting myself first, it's like the whole world opened up to me. And um, I guess the, the rest was history. I Airman of the year, airman of the quarter, and just a lot of other little things started happening for me, man, after that, so. But that's good. And, and you know, I know sometimes with our community, when we listen to our podcast and we bring on other people, they might ask the question, you know, well, what does it have to do with vitiligo? And I always come back to that question with this answer, we're human beings on this planet and we deal with real life situations, regardless of what our skin looks like, somebody out there is dealing with that or yes. somebody's child is dealing with that particular situation or going through this experience or has that same dream or goal as somebody else, you know, and I try to bring people on which can inspire someone, you know, so maybe that, that young man is out there listening to this podcast might say, you know what, man, I went through that same thing, but I can change my life. Well, that young woman over there saying the same thing, I could change my life, you know, uh, cause we're not stuck, you know, not and, at and all. Mark, and, and I, and I love what you said. And I want to add something to that. I think, and it's from any perspective, right? So I'm just assuming for my friends that that deal with vitiligo, um, some of them depressed, they they used to look a certain way and they think they're this body. Right. And even though I used to walk around and you know girls could say I look good, I never thought I was a, a good looking guy. I never thought I was as special as people made me seem to be. And I would ask questions like, do you really think I look good? Do you really think I'm built? Do you really? So I, I really had low self-esteem where to the world, it seemed like I had it all together. And I think a lot of times, even in this community, even the people that walk around acting confident, they seem like they got it all together. But what I had to realize is that, yo, stop lying to yourself. I don't have it all together. And what is really special about me? And once I started realizing it's my spirit, you know, what really makes me attractive, you know, even if, even if a woman likes me in a sexual manner or whatever, it's really my spirit. The spirit is what really draws people to you. So once I started seeing the value on the inside of me, everything on the outside just started, you know, being more beautiful. 
in my whole world and I didn't care what people said about it. I know what I believe in myself. And when that belief became stronger than anybody else, it was like, I felt like I could do anything. So I, I feel like we relate more than what people think. Um, right. But it's just, it's just different perspectives of, of what we see. Absolutely. And, and, and I like that because um, we do get tied into this whole thing of look, look at myself. You know, I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. I went through that, you know, even though I don't have a lot of my face, I got it around my mouth and my hands, yeah. everywhere else. And and when you look in the mirror, that mirror speaks to you in ways that we don't always like. But it's not about what the mirror sees. It's not about what you see in that mirror. It's about what's in your heart. Like you said, that spirit, that's important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like one of my goals as a podcast host is to get our listeners to understand that it's not about how we look. If somebody likes you or loves you they're gonna love you for who you are on the inside yeah, not that right. outside because you know th- this shell fades away Absolutely. this shell changes whether you have video like or not and, <laughs> thank you you know and when somebody decides hey i'm gonna love you or i'm gonna like you i'm gonna be your friend they're doing it because like you said that spirit that connection absolutely that's what's absolutely. important absolutely man look we're gonna have a deep conversation all <laughs> let, let me, let's get into um a little bit about acting uh, and i said because we we have people uh, in our community who want to act but they may feel i can't go into acting because of my condition no let, you can do it but so let's talk about um your acting career and how you got involved into acting and what it did for you oh man i so when i was younger my mother when when i used to get in trouble she said, you need to do, you need to have a different avenue. So she would put us into acting classes. And I, and I hated it at first. I was terrified. I felt like I was going to go on stage and people would laugh at me and not laugh with me. And some of the lines that they gave me when I, when I went to deliver, the people laughed, but they was laughing with me. And it created this buzz, you know, like, I just was like, oh, I really, I really like this feeling because you're able to be somebody else and right. really start embodying that character. So it was something that I, I did, I always liked. But when I moved here in uh, 2014, I started realizing uh, my body could not, no longer do what it was able to do before when it come to playing sports. Right. So I started looking for other avenues or other opportunities. And I met this woman at the gym that I literally only met her one time. And we just happened to be talking. And she was like, what, what are some things that you like to do? And I said, you know, I, I like playing basketball, but my body's breaking down. I, I don't know how long I can keep doing it. And she was like, what else do you like to do? And I said, well, acting. And she said, you know what? I'm with, a, I'm with an agency here. Oh, wow. It, look, I can send you an email of my resume. I could connect you to this talent agency. You see if they want you. And, and that was the last communication that I had with her. But I sent it to the talent agency. They accepted me. I went in for an interview. They liked me. And I was actually about to quit. And then about a month later, I got a role and then roles just kept coming. Oh, wow. And and I really started embodying uh, method acting. And um, it, it's just it's exciting to be able to play a detective where you got to, you know, and, and you're trying to take it on. Like I'm creating this character to where if I'm a detective, this is a guy that's lonely. He lost his wife. So he's invested completely in the craft of the business. He's very detail oriented. He likes to do a lot of little things with his hands and the way he squint. So it's like recreating this, this character in my mind. It is, I bring him alive and it, right. and it allowed me to get into the role or when I'm playing a bad guy, it could be 
this guy was, uh, you know, molested and he's trying to be bigger than what he was and show. So I'm, I'm re I'm just building this character in my mind. And, and I, that's the excitement with it because every time I get on set, I try to do something different and, and I get excited about it and it could lead to something bigger. I have had some, uh, some nice roles, animation, some voiceovers. I did one movie, but I, I just love it. You know, and, and I think the thing that I want people to realize is if you have something that you love in your heart and you want to do, do it. Because Absolutely. one day, one day that casket will close and we have to go back to the source. And I just want to be able to go to the source and say, I did everything I could do in this body. You got Absolutely. everything you get, get out of this, this body and this spirit. Hey, I was, I tried. So. And, and that's, that's cool. Cause, cause we do have people who like to act that, that want to get into the business. They don't quite know how they don't know um who to reach out to but and sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time absolutely and, and stepping outside of your comfort zone and and speaking to people because you just don't know you, you might fit that that particular role they want and they're watching you and observing how you carry yourself how you act how you speak you know um i always say treat people with respect because you you don't know who you're talking to listen and every person you have an opportunity to meet you have an opportunity to be a blessing to them Absolutely. And you, we, we must treat every encounter as the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to give them a little bit of God in me. Now, whatever that person is perceiving when they meet you, that's okay. You got to give the your excellence every single time you meet somebody because you never know if you'll see them again. But you right. want to leave somebody with a with a, an amazing experience and say, hey, this person made me feel a little bit better about myself and I feel like I could go out and tackle the world. That That's my mindset. Man, let, let me tell you, I'm sitting here thinking I had an experience. Um, man, this is probably about maybe about 20 something, about 20 years ago or so. And, and I went in a store and there was a, a, a well-known homeless guy that hung around the store. And when I walked in, he kept, you know, hey, hey, man, hey, man, hey, hey. And I was like, yo, I don't know you. And I kept saying, I don't, I don't know you. But when I said it the third time, it hit me. I was talking to myself. Oh, I wasn't wow. even. I wasn't even talking to him. I was like, I don't know who I am, and and I left out. I, I don't even know what I went in there for. I don't know lottery ticket, orange juice. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But I walked out thinking that was for me. It wasn't even for him. It wasn't it about him? I don't know who I am, and I have to rediscover who I am because you know when you mm -hmm. go through stuff, you forget who you are. You know whether it's a job, relationship, whatever, sometimes we forget who we are. You got to rediscover, you got to find it yourself again. And to me, that was one of the most powerful moments. And it made me really step back and say, Mark, who are you? Yeah. You know, and, and that's the same thing. I, I say with our community, you know, we have to truly identify who we're going to be. You yes. know, do we let Vitiligo define us or do we define who we are? You know, that Absolutely. that's what's important. Um, let's talk about some of your books because we have authors in our community. You know, some people like to write. I like to write poetry, short stories. You know, <laughs> the people that like to write, and and we we need that encouragement. We need to yeah. hear how someone else got started, and and you don't necessarily have to talk about your process, but how did you get involved into writing? And tell us your favorite book that you've written. Um, so, I think that's that's a tough question. So I would say this. So all of my books are really related to who, the way I see this world, mind, body, and spirit. And for me, it was a, it was a mental shift. 
Um, but it wasn't quite spiritual yet. I, I, I knew God and felt like I was building that relationship. So it went from, from thug to scholar. I see the world from a, I had a paradigm shift to where I wanted to fit in this world as a thug or what my idea of a thug was because I felt like it, it would make me special. But at the same time, I think it protected me from striving for some worldly success outside of the environment that I know. So once I made that shift and started seeing the world with more curiosity, you know, every room I go into, what can I learn? How can I learn from this person? You know, how can I see this thing differently? How can I explore deeper into the root of this word? Um, so little things like that, it just made me open myself up to shake my foundation, you know? And, um, and, and when you said, people say, who are you? I think for a long time, you know, people can't answer that question. So you may want to say, who are you not? Right, right. You know what I mean? I'm not a womanizer. I'm not a, I'm not a, a person that's want to get high all the time, drink, they want to fight and all of these things. And it's not saying you, you might not have slip ups in those right. areas. As you're trying to find yourself and realize, have that mental shift, you got to realize, no, this is not who I am. These actions do not align with who I think I am as a person. And once you see that, for me, it was like, okay, well, what's the first thing I could change? To me, well, what's the first thing you're giving? Your body. Right. So I said, how can I turn this into the best body that I possibly ha can, can have? And the thing was, uh, eventually, when I changed my body and I had abs, it was a vanity thing, though. I was like, oh, look at my abs. So it's, right. it's funny that God would give you things, and sometimes the world use it in a fleshly desire, but God still use it to reel you back to what the real purpose is. So it opened me up to, well, I can do this with my body. But then after you start getting those girls like you, they look at you or people say, oh, your body looks nice. After a while, it's like, okay, but there's no joy in that. Right, so what right. am I really looking for, right? So now it came to my last book, Check Your Life, Be Limitless. And this book is basically question everything. Why do I believe the way I believe? Why do I believe in God? Like, wh why do I believe in Christianity? Why do I believe I'm black? Why do I believe I'm a man? Like, where do all these things come from? And it, and it started with a story of Adam and Eve. They was walking around in this presence of this godly presence with God. And then all of a sudden they wanted knowledge. But the knowledge that we received, the knowledge of good and evil, we learn what's right, what's wrong, who's best, who's not, and all of these things. When we learn about black, a lot of times my parents are like, you black and be proud of it, but, right. so it's like, I'm learning I'm inferior. Or you're a man, you don't cry like a woman, you're more superior. So all of these labels really just give you a way to position yourself in this society. But I keep remembering a quiet voice that God said when they ate from the apple and thought they was naked. He said, who told you that? Right. Who told you you're a football player? Who told you you're a professor? Who told right. you you're an author? Who told you you think you're so important? Man, I could crush you just like that. You better realize where all of this come from. So once that book came alive, it made me start looking at life even from a more spiritual perspective. How can you develop and, and evolve into the best form of yourself spiritually? And when you do wrong, are you aware of it? Do you check your life? Be limitless. You know, and even if you're aggressive, are you intentional about like, why are you doing what you're doing? And to me, I started living life with more intent. You know, so that... From Thug to Scholar is always going to be one of my, my babies because the first book. But the one that I think really epitomizes where I am now is Check Your Life, Be Limitless. And from Flab to Abs is 
that's just the outward man that is going to die. So right. no matter how good this look, that fades away. Absolutely. But my spirit and my mind and what I use with it, that's going to impact this world for a long time after I leave. So to me, Check Your Life, Be Limitless is, that's that's the most impactful book, I think. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I, I've been on this journey lately to question things. Um, and, and I know it's not always the, the most um, received way of doing stuff when you start to question uh, why we do certain things, whether it's in our community, outside the community, uh, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, you know, it's not the popular opinion. You know, people want to know, what, why are you questioning me? You know, uh, uh, but I feel like I don't always have to agree. You know, sometimes there may be other reasons. You know, when you step back, you can see things differently from people who are engaged. You know, when, when you're engaged in a situation, you get tunnel vision. But when you're stepping back from the outside looking in, you can see it from a different angle. And that makes you kind of go, huh, let, let me let me ask a question about this. Or why can't we, and, and it's okay to ask why, because if you're a child, what are you going to do? You're going to question things all day long. As we That's become right. adults, we stop asking those questions, you know. Amen. Think about it. Right. We were raised on who, what, where, why, how. And we don't ask those things anymore. You know, we just kind of accept it for what it is. And I'm like, no, ask questions, ask, right. you know. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and it's okay to ask. And they say Jesus was like the great questioner, especially when he was younger, right? He was always right. challenged. Right. You know? So, but, and, we, and we know people get mad when you question stuff, but still, even if you don't have the right answer, it should make you think. I agree. You know, kids do that all the time. You know, they, you know, working in the school system, they will ask you questions and you're like, wow, I never thought about it like that. Because <laughs> as adults, we're trying to think so deep into stuff. Kids just ask flat out, you know, That's right. why do I need to do this homework? What does it matter if I do it? What happens if I don't do it? You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's simple, and, no, but, and, right. but we get mad about it, but they're going right. to ask you, but they're expecting you to come up with the simple answer, you know? Um, and That's I know right. we don't like to be challenged because uh, <laughs> then we'll get mad and, oh, you That's just don't want right. to come on board. But right. um, let's talk about unmasking YTP um, or unmask mm -hmm. YTP. Um, how did you come up with the organization and what, what is, you mentioned it earlier, you know, the foundation mm -hmm. behind it, but let's talk a little bit more and how that can benefit our people who, who feel they need to unmask. Absolutely. So, so it, it, it started off as unmask your true potential. And that was actually the website, unmask your long website. Right. And I was like, ah, no, nah, you know, unmask YTP. So it was like playing around with it. Right. So the YTP stand for your true potential. Absolutely. Um, but, it, but it's all about we wear masks, you know, and I, and, and some people say, oh, you know, I, I disagree. I say, you think about it. Most people that get in relationships, they come in a certain way. Yep. They're not their true self. I think even some of the issues that I had in my relationship, I came in, this young guy, 19 years old, getting married, trying to present a certain way for my wife, but I've evolved. Right. I've seen things differently. And even though I had little situations that maybe I should have been a little different in those now the person that I am now is completely different than any of those those individuals. And as you continue to try to find your ground and like, no, this is me. Right. It's that, that great rebellion, that, that bucking back. So, but you have people that choose degrees. 
because their parents tell them, right, this right. is the degree that you should get. And they hate it. Or they choose careers for money because they're chasing the coin. And that's not what they really put on this earth to do. So to me, until you remove that mask and step back and say, yo, who is this? Who's James, who's this James Williams? Like, who's this guy that I created? Right. Is this, did I create it or did the world create it? Did my environment create it? Did society create it? I don't like that guy. And the, and the sad thing is that shadow continue to follow you. Right. So until you reinvent yourself, you change the way you think and you start anew, you're going to still have that ghost. So to me, whole unmasking your true potential is remove the mask and then create the individual that you want to be. But it got to be a three-pillar approach. It got to be mind, body, and spirit. And right. it got to be something that you pursue on a daily basis. You can't just wake up and say, hey, I got it. I'm good. It's, you know, I don't need to do anything anymore. And I think the reason why, I, I would say 85 to 90% of the people would never change because it's hard work to consistently address yourself because they're so busy pointing at other people where you're doing this, you're doing this because they don't want to work on themselves and point at themselves. Right. So, and that's the hardest thing. And I think for individuals that are really working on themselves, if they're dealing with individuals that's not, that they are have good relationships with, and it, it it frustrates them. But so to me, I think that becomes a challenge where you got to say, ah, oh, forget it. You're going to still be you. You got to be willing to choose you and love yourself more than anybody else on this earth. And when you do that, that's when you can really start pouring into other people and other relationships. Absolutely. Um, it, it, you know, I think about that evolution, that change. I had my first podcast. I was asked to do the podcast. I want you to tell your story about my vitiligo. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, I never yeah. talked about my vitiligo, never. In my marriage, I didn't talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. we know it was an issue. And I say myself and my wife at the time, we know it was an issue. I didn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have that conversation because, you know, as I mentioned before, when you look at a mirror and you see yourself changing and you can't stop it. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it took me to a, a, I call it that sunken place, like in, in, um, get out, you know, yeah. you just see yourself falling and falling. And I knew there was a change coming, you know, and I had already been divorced for many years, but in 2019, yeah. I just felt this shift and I kept saying, man, you know, it's uncomfortable, but I don't know what it is. You know, you try to yeah. figure out what's happening, what's happening. And there were different little things I could see lining up from this little girl in camp kept calling me a butterfly uh, relationship. I was in, you know, this is well after marriage and divorce, yeah. uh, got into a new relationship and it just ended because of my insecurities and my self-esteem issues and stuff. I had to really check myself. I had to look at myself, yeah. but when 2020 rolled around and Valerie said, Hey, I want you to come on a podcast and talk about your story. I was like, cool. Who's going to interview me? She's like, nobody. You could just go and get up there and talk for 30 minutes. No, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't talk about my bit of like, well, that's not something I had a discussion with, not with my friends, not with, you know, my family, nothing. I just never talked about it. Well, getting on that podcast, it was 30 minutes and that's a long time. Yeah. Really yeah. unfiltered yeah. sharing my journey from the time it started, how I felt from the interactions with the physician to relationships, to friendships. And, and then as I'm talking, I'm thinking about how those things have changed and my interactions with people and at work and jobs. And, you know, I'm like, dang. But to me, that was 
my moment of change. You know, I from there I unpacked everything, and I was like, mm. man, I've never talked about this, and I put it out to the world. You know, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. I was talking to one person. It, this went across the world on the radio, and I can always go back and listen to it and say, man, you know, am I still doing this? Have I changed from that? And that's the evolution. You know, we all have to evolve if you choose to want to do so. You know, thank you. Some people don't want to change. I get they it. Don't. And, you, and you can't change people. No. And, and, and that's the hardest thing to realize. Right. And I know you come across a lot of people. You just want to tell them, hey, it's going to get better. Do it. And it's like, no matter what. And you just realize you can't save the world. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, and and sometimes we feel that way. I know in our community, we feel we want to save the entire vitiligo community. It's I feel like, and, and you know, some people may not take this the right way, but it's not always about the entire community that needs saving. It's that one soul that we yeah. overlook. That's the person that needs saving. That's right. I feel like that's the mission. That's the purpose. Because now, if we're able to reach that person, and they change for the better. They have a testimony. They have a story Amen. to share. Um, not everybody needs that, you know. And, and I know we do have this this Superman mentality of you know we can do it all, but just remember, Superman got kryptonite too. But he's not doing yes. it by himself. He's doing That's it with true. the collective. But it's not about saving the world. It's about the individual. That's know? right. And, and that's what I say with the listening audience. You know, it's not about the masses. You know, if 10 people listen to this podcast, I'm fine with that because I'm reaching 10 people who needed to hear the story. That's you know? right. If one person listens, I'm fine with that. And I had to have a discussion with um, somebody in our community and he shared with me, he says, not about the numbers. You know, he, he said, you're reaching somebody, whether you know it or not. That's right. You may never know who you reach, but you're reaching. That's right. And, and it, it really had to open my eyes to it because we get tied into numbers, you know. Yeah, how many yeah. likes, how many followers, how many listeners? And it's not about that. No, it's not. Now, I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, as we're talking about the vitiligo community, um, you know, with with vitiligo, it, it creates a lot of challenge for us. Um, it For one, it creates fear. Mm. And not everybody has that same fear, but it does create fear for some of us. And it stops us. And we know fear will stop you from doing a lot of things in life. Absolutely. Um, and it challenges us. And then, you know, it becomes, you know, I'm in my headspace. So I'm fighting that battle in my headspace. And then now I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. I got to fight with this person over here, you know, because uh, you you versus me, you know, and then it becomes, you know, from there, we versus them and then them versus the world. Um, how do we step outside of that? How, how do we get past that fear and step outside of our own way to reach our potential? I, and this is just personal experiences. What I what I tell people to do, lean into whatever it is you're afraid of. Anything you're afraid of. I used to be terrified of heights. Um, I was I was even afraid of dogs because of an experience I had with my mother at a young age. So I started going up to high buildings, you know, standing, looking over, and you're scared. Like, what if somebody come behind you and push you off or whatever? Right. Or what if you fall? And it's like, then you start really using your rational brain. Well, if a person come in and throw you off and if you did fall and die, for one, that's a fluke, you know, it's going to be quick. Or why would you throw yourself off? So I had to psychologically get myself to that point. And then I had to start taking more risks. So I decided to jump out of a plane at 14,000 feet. Wow. 
that took care of that uh, fear. Right. Uh, all, you know, I go out of my way to look at them, talk to them, um, even go in with my daughter sometimes and hold dogs, and I like them. So I think you got you want to lean into whatever that fear is because if you don't face it, that test is always there, and Perfect. you haven't passed it. And until you pass that test, you're not going to be ready for the next level. And every level has a greater devil. So to me, I think you got to be willing to lean into whatever that fear is and own it and ask yourself, really, what are you afraid of? You know, like like realistically, um, I dealt with issues of realizing I'm no longer a superior athlete that I used to be. OK, then what? Well, what are you going to do now with your life? Right. You know, oh, well, I just bodybuild. I build my body and look like an athlete. Or, you know, what if what if this person is no longer in your life no more? Okay, it'll hurt. But then what? You, you you're gonna keep on. living and you're gonna continue yeah. to make the most out of it and you'll learn from it and you'll grow and you'll thrive and you'll be an even better version of yourself. So to me, whatever that fear is, is more psychological right. than an imminent threat. And and if it is an imminent threat, you gotta ask yourself, are you gonna die one day? The answer to that is yes. None of us get out alive. Right. So at the end of the day, what is the worst that can happen to you? My biggest fear is knowing that I got to sleep with myself at night, knowing that I was afraid to try or living a long life and knowing that I never lived a life that I really wanted to live. That is the biggest fear. You know, death is, you know, is one of those things that. Am I afraid of death? No, I'm not afraid of it. Is it something that you think about and you get a little like anxious, you know, anxious sometimes like I don't know what it feel like. Nah, yeah, of course that happens. But at the end of the day, I believe death is glorious. So it's going to be like, hey, if this is the way I got to go, let's meet it. You know, right. so that, that's kind of my attitude. With it. It, so it's not going to stop me from being the best version of myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I do feel like um, we as people, you know, we, we see each other's competition. And, and, I, and I, I particularly don't like that. I'm like, look, if you have knowledge, I have knowledge. We should help each other. You know, we should not be competing against each other. And, and I'm going I'm to take it a little, a little further. I'm going to take it into the Black community. You know, we compete against each other a lot. Yes. And when somebody has something that you feel like they shouldn't have or they don't deserve it, we compete against them. You know, instead of celebrating people, we, we see them as, oh, man, they got this, uh, they ain't this. I remember when. Let's not remember when and, and celebrate that person now. You know, let's celebrate each other now, you know. That's right. Um, now I, I, I'm gonna switch gears again because we're getting close to the end of our conversation. But let's talk about men in general. Um, you know, man to man, this is a great conversation because you know it, it's good to see when brothers are be are, are able to get together and talk. And it's not yeah. about beef. It's not about you know, man, you dis. No, 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 we're having an intelligent conversation. Yeah. Um, now, particularly with our vitiligo community. Um, we have a lot of men. Let, let's say with VitFriends, we have a lot of men in our organization. However, when we have functions or we have a meeting, we don't see a lot of men. Mm. Um, and one of the things that, um, I guess it bothers me because I, I do want to see more men get involved. However, what a group of us decided to do, men from the vitiligo community, um, we're different, different groups or non-affiliation with groups. We decided to create what's called the Vitiligo Brotherhood Alliance. Mm, and it. we said, let's do this as men in our community and show the community that, community that we can work together. 
We don't have to be in the same organizations, but we can work together for a common cause. So we met um, last year, oh, during, we met during the pandemic, we sat and talked, had a conversation. We decided to have a summit. So we're gonna have a, it, it was started off as the Men's Vitiligo Summit in Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia next week from uh, March 11th through the 13th. Nice. We have coach Carl Dunbar from the Pittsburgh Steelers as our nice. keynote speaker. But it, it has grown from this small event to this huge event now because we have um, an additional six speakers, three men, three women. Uh, we have the women involved. Um, and then we have, uh, so we're going to have breakout rooms um, for men, for women, for children. You know, the keynote speaker um, on that Friday, we all are going to meet at the um, at the center there for um, the, the Hawks basketball game. Nice. So we're trying to put as many vitiligo community members in there as possible. We want to pack that arena with vitiligo members. Love it. Um, and it's just something that we wanted to do for the community because we want people to see that men are present. Men do work and we do work together for a common cause. Is it going to be easy? Nah, <laughs> we've had our challenges, you know. <laughs> And, and we don't all live in the same city, so we have our challenges, but everybody has something different to bring to the table. You know, whether your expertise is this and you're good at this, you're good at that. And we allow everybody to, you know, branch out and do the things necessary that, that they're skilled at. So I'm just thinking, um, and real quick, it, our, our theme is empowerment, um, self-love and community. So that's really what we're going to focus on. So how do we i guess really tap into getting more men to step out to let their voices be heard so the rest of our community can see that the men are present that the men are there that's that's a it's a tough question um right i would say i think you all are already starting it with the initiative and i think continue to show light um or highlight you know, just these positive experiences you all are having, you know, maybe have some like little quick videos on a website of brothers getting together, talking, uh, brothers building. And, and the reason why I say that we, for the last, for the last six, seven years, we've been doing an annual brothers trip. We was talking about it in 2013, 2014. And then I want to say 2015 or 2016, <clears throat> one of our friends that we was talking about, that grew up with us, he died um kind of unexpectedly at the age of 37. so we made it a point to start going hanging out together it started as two day three day trip and now it's up to five seven days right. and what we do is we get there we talk about financial literacy you know we all started investing in stock um growing our portfolios we're also we created a, a brothers for life B, b4l um investment group so when we go there, we talk about marriages, how to be better men. Right. Uh, but at the same time, we still have fun. You know, some of them like to drink, some of them. So we, we hang out. Right. So we try to make sure that we accommodate all of the different brothers, personality or types of styles. But at the same time, we build and we make it a point to be intentional about saying we love you. We love right. each other. Right. You know, because I think a lot of us, we want that. We want another brother to say, hey, I love you, man. I acknowledge the things you're doing. Um, but we don't do that. And I think creating that and making brothers feel that it's safe to do that, I think as y'all continue to to build this program, it's going to build itself because brothers are going to go back and talk. 
Right. And even that brother that's acting cool, like, man, y'all do what? Da, da, da. A little part of them want it. Right, so right. constantly creating what you all are creating, I think will get men more involved. And when you go to conferences, um, find ways to have men to be more part of the programs and, and make sure that that's being highlighted and shown um, on your websites and, and things of that nature. And I think that'll create a, a more inclusive environment, a more welcome environment to men. But I think you all are headed in the right direction. But that brotherhood, man, and being able to fellowship and tell each other we love each other and we're proud of each other, I think is needed. And I think it, we, it we need it for what we say. Absolutely. And um, it, and I do think with, with us, you know, the pandemic slowed a lot of it down. Yeah. So we missed that connection. And and I know we're we're still in it, but we're the, the world's moving about. So it is giving us an opportunity to get together safely yes. and still have that fellowship. <clears throat> Excuse me. And because that's something that has been missing. You know, we we've missed out on that for a long time. And to Absolutely. see more than, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten men, 20 men, 30 men together, you know, and doing something positive for the community, that's what we need. We're missing a lot of that, or we've missed out on a lot of that. Um, not to say it's not happening, because it is happening around the world, you know, around our, yeah. our country. Yeah. Brothers are getting together. Um, and it, with our vitiligo community, you know, we are doing things out there, you know. And even for those who can attend, like you said, we're going to take some videos and we're going to have photos up so right. they can see it. And next year when we have the the, the next summit, you know, they can want to be they they want to be a part of it. You know, yep. get, let me get together, get my family, because it is open to. It, it started off; it was just going to be exclusive for men, because we needed it. But then the ladies said they want to get involved. We said, okay, let's let the ladies get involved. And then one of the questions came up: If I have kids, what I do with my kids? Mm -hmm. So, but you know, we said, okay, bring the kids. So it's more like a family event, like it. but it's still geared towards. Um, supporting the brothers supporting men you know and um I, I do think it's going to be a great event um i'm excited about it at first i thought i wasn't going to be able to go although i'm on the committee and i'm like man it's not gonna work out well i won't be able to go but i'll be there so i'm excited no. um and, and it's funny for myself um although i'm not new to vitiligo i'm new to the community so i've never had an opportunity to meet people outside of north carolina Oh wow! Because of the pandemic, nice, yeah, yeah. I've met them virtually <laughs> in this computer screen, but I've never met them in person. So it, it's going to change my whole perspective on the vitiligo community and and just interacting with people. So that's going to be great, you know. I love it. Um, Y'all are going to create uh, what they call uh, FOMO, so people are going to have fear of missing out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know, so, so they're going to be like, "Wow, it looked like they had a lot of fun. I got to wait a whole year." Yeah, so no, yeah, well, well, yeah. well, wait a minute now. So those that go to the summit, you have an opportunity to go to the Vitiligo convention that's, that's gonna right. be in Minnesota in June. That's right. That's right. Now somebody's gonna be there. Not just me, <laughs> I'll be there, of course, but who else is gonna be there? Do you know somebody that's gonna be there? I, I think I know one other person. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. You gonna be, be there. Ready. Yes, yes, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna be uh sharing love and and look and then think about it. Minneapolis in July is the right time, you know, because we don't have to worry about the snow. It's so in June. It's, it's, yes, yes. Yeah, don't, don't don't go in July, you're gonna miss it. June. Oh no, that's right, June. <laughs> We're gonna make right. sure you're there. <laughs> look, look, it's all good, man. It's all good. Look, and and, and here's my thing. I, I said I want to go, I'm gonna enjoy the convention, 
I'll, that'll be my first opportunity, your first chance to meeting uh, Valerie and the people that I serve on the board for Vit Friends, but okay. I've never met any of them. Oh, wow. I've only talked with them via computer or on the phone, but I've never met them in person. So this would be a great opportunity for me to meet them as well. But then I gotta, I have to take an Uber somewhere. I gotta go see Prince's estate. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. 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 I, that's on my yeah, agenda. Yeah. I have to go see Prince's estate, and then yeah. then I'll come back and fellowship some more. You know. I get. It. I like smart man. I, I need to do that. I've been to Minneapolis a couple of times, and I've never been to Prince's estate ever. No, look, that's on so my agenda. I, I didn't even think about that. Wow. But but no, but real quick, and then I'm going to throw it over to you so you can close us out. Um, there's something you said is very important, and I wanted to come back to that real quick. You know, men telling other men that I love you. It's yeah. okay. You know, I know yeah. we have this taboo thing about it. Nah, I ain't telling no man I love a man. Nah, you know, no, it's all right. Because guess what? A lot of times we don't get to hear that. You know, right. unless you're in a relationship, you might hear it from the person you're with. You might hear it from your parents. Maybe if you have brothers or sisters, you might hear it. But on the regular, we don't hear that a lot. Yeah. You know, men men rarely get compliments on the regular. You know, sometimes we might hear, you know, out and about, you look nice today, you know, nice suit, whatever, or nice clothes, whatever. But on the regular, just in everyday life, there are things we don't hear. And we need to reinforce these things for men out here. So we know that we're loved. We know that we're cared for. We know people are paying attention to us. Because if not, this could be a very lonely world walking out here, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that back and just, it, it kind of resonated with me and I just wanted to talk about it briefly. But if you can leave our listeners, because we're about to close out, but if you could leave them with some words of encouragement and then I'll wrap things up. Okay. So I try to make this real short. What, what I think you all should do is when you wake up in the morning, go look in the mirror and tell yourself how much you love yourself. Man, I say find, that every show. <laughs> you know, you got to find something you love about yourself. You know, and, and to me, I used to have some so-called imperfections that people used to pick at. And I'm like, man, I love my little tic-tac teeth. I love my teeth. I love my my, my hairline that's, that people say is jacked up. I love it. And when you really, really start loving you, you create a power in the universe to where nobody can break that shield. Because the enemy has so many little agents out there that's trying to chip away at you. And it's even people that you love sometimes. But as long as you love you, and they may say things like, oh, you're arrogant, you love you. Love you more than anybody else. So I would spend time doing that. I like to also start my day on my way to the gym with some inspirational. It can be a Sadhguru, it could be a priest or whatever, but I like to listen to something positive or spiritual on my way to the gym. Then when I go into the gym while I'm stretching, I like to tell myself, you know, how I'm about to just, you know, do something crazy in there. So positive words of affirmation. So this is the words that I say, and you can use this or you can find yours. But I say this every single day. I say today is a glorious day. And for 86,400 seconds, I will give my excellence and my best until I'm laid to rest. I'm abundantly blessed and never stressed. Be better than your best and never rest on your last success. Check your life. Be limitless. And you attack, attack the world with a mindset of I'm going to be limitless and I'm going to live this life to an optimal level that can't nobody stop. And that's that's how my words of advice that I would give to people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. 
Look, it's funny that you said that because that that is the one thing I close my show with. Always tell my listeners, and I'm gonna say it right now. Um, this show is called Living Life and Love. Mm. It was Living Life and Love at Vitiligo, but I changed it because we gotta live our life, and we have to love. It is not just about loving other people. It's about loving your family, your friends. It's about loving your enemy. And most of all, it's about looking in that mirror, as you said, and telling that person you see in that mirror, I love you. And it's also about looking at that selfie you just took. Turn that phone around and look at that picture and say, I love you. For our listeners, you have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Y'all take care. God bless. Love you. You can listen to VitFriends Podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on Facebook. Our podcast can be heard in over 37 countries around the world. You've been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton, from Raleigh, North Carolina.